welcome back to Kyle's Internal Monologue. In this episode, which is a special episode, we're not covering Babylon 5, but instead of another TV show, I just wanted to pop in and talk about the pilot, because uh, it just aired a couple days ago, and I'm a big fan of the comic it is based on, uh, so I just wanted to sit here and talk about how they adapted it, and my opinions on the overall ordeal. So we're talking about Forget It Dex, it's Stumptown, which is the pilot episode of ABC's Stumptown, which within of itself is an adaptation of Stumptown, the comics by Greg Rucka and uh, Justin Greenwood. And basically, the the overall premise of the comic is let's tell a uh, fun noir noir sort of inspired detective tales in uh, in modern day Portland, Oregon, uh, which is where Greg Rucka lives. Uh, and it's it's a very unique in its way of telling. I mean, he he's talked about that it is a love letter to the Rockford Files. Um, and a lot of 70s and 80s PI fiction, and he, he did his dissertation on the PA genre. Um, th this is a genre he cares deeply about, and he really wanted to create a character that represented the, this decade, or at least the decade when he wrote it, which was the, the early aughts, because the, uh, the, the first volume came out in 2008. Uh, the, 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 basic, the basic concept uh, is just to, to tell fun detective stories with this character of Dex, who's a very complex and interesting character, uh, and just play with the cliches and tropes of the the, the PI genre, uh, because it, as he stated that you know every decade sort of has its PI, and he, he wanted to create a very modern PI for you know this time frame, uh, so and that's how he came up with Dex, and I, I and it ties in with some of his novels. There are some characters. Uh, that that come from his novels that will appear uh, in, in in Stumptown, but the TV show is pretty much very it's very similar. They they even have a very similar inciting incident, though they do a, a lot of changes. Understandably, um, some of them I wish they hadn't have made, but ultimately I can understand where they're going with it. Um, so th th this this is a more uh, inexperienced Dex. The the Dex that I know has her own PI business, has her license, uh, has been doing this for a while. Yes, she's a bit amateurish in the way she goes about things, simply because she's very um, uh, she's an uncle dragger. She's she's on the ground. She's she's dealing with the common people, and sometimes she has to be very crafty about and clever with the way she does things. Um, this Dex doesn't have her uh, license. She's just starting out. She has no idea what she's doing with her life, and she sort of stumbles into this mess. And uh, the the inside incident of both are the same. Uh, Su Lin, the the head of the uh, the casino that that Dex frequents, hires her to find her granddaughter. It's a different granddaughter this time, and different uh, plot overall. But uh, the inside incident is the same, and. I, I think that what they do with it is interesting enough. This is a network TV show, um, and a lot of network TV shows tend to have a very common, similar formula, um, and especially detective shows on network television. They don't tend to go out of their box, and this felt very the the felt very in the box, but just slightly altered the box. Um, like, of course, it has the entire lens that it's set in Portland, unlike the standard New York or whatever. But also, it's very stylish. The soundtrack is obviously heavily uh, heavily pulling from 
uh, from songs in the 70s and 80s. It's 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 trying to evoke a feel and a mood um, that is very evocative of uh, of old old 70s and 80s uh, detective stuff like the Rockford Files. Um, we even open on a set piece that you would see. You, you, you would see if they had a massive budget for Rockford Files, you'd probably see that kind of stunt uh, with the car and everything. So it, it, it's sort of trying to take the detective genre uh, uh, that's common in the network television and sort of twist it and do something new with it. It's all about style, um, which is perfectly reasonable. I mean, uh, I, the, the comic is meant to... Uh, be playing with the tropes of the PI genre, and so when you adapt it to a new medium, you adapt the, the tropes of that medium. So now it is, instead of just the PI genre as a whole, it's now looking at the cliches and tropes of the police procedural on network television. Um, I think it can, it has definitely a lot of legs in that concept, and it can go forward pretty well. Um, Dex herself is handled wonderfully. Um, I think that Colby Smulders was near-perfect casting. Um, I can't envision anybody else in this role. I mean, even Greg Rucka, who's like, I'm, he, he's mentioned that he's just a consultant. He doesn't really work on the show. He has no say in the matter. He had he, no, no basis on the casting either. He had literally no say on it. But when he met her, he realized, yeah, this makes perfect sense. She is the choice to play Dex. And... Her overall sort of presentation of Dex is literally just straight off the page. There are several lines straight from the comic itself. The way she plays Dex is exactly how I imagine Dex to be, um, based on what we what we see in the comics. is It's perfect. And, of course, this Dex has a slightly different backstory than the one that I know from the comics, but um, the backstory fits with what they want to do with the show. Um, giving a more personal connection to Sue Lin and more personal connection to the case that was currently going on, and it, it just sort of fits with what they want to do. And it, but they do keep a lot of her backstory there. I mean, her 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 military history, the fact that she was a Marine, and uh, the fact that she has PTSD, she has a gambling problem, a drinking problem, like Dex is a person with a lot of flaws, and she's trying to get through them. Um, and not exactly healthily either. She doesn't even go and get help for her own issues. She refuses help for her own issues. Um, and she, she's got a lot on her plate. She's taking care of her, of her brother Ansel, who has Down syndrome. She's trying to run this business. She's trying to get her life in some sort of order. Um, and everything just seems to be conspiring against her. She has the worst luck. And that's very classic you know, 70s and 80s detectives, you know, it's very, it's, it's just a very classic detective trope, and I, I enjoy the comic for that reason, and I'm enjoying this take on her, um, I mean, even, it's even down to the point where she copes with her, uh, PTSD by literally just crawling into Hoffman's bed, which makes perfect sense, she did that in the comics too, not with Hoffman, but, uh, with another character, she did it in Volume Three, but also to quote Rucka, you know, she'll sleep with anything with a pulse. Um, so it makes sense. Like the, the everything they're doing with the character, while some of it is very much changed, the overall spirit and essence of that character of the Dextreme Callisto Perios that I know, 
Um, I was hoping for them to at least name drop her full name because it would have been fun. But they 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 will hopefully get to that at some point. But they do uh, uh, they do do her justice, and I think that is uh, wonderful to behold because she's a character that I really like, and I was hoping they would do her well. And from the trailer, I thought they've pretty much got her spot on. She's the core of the Stumptown comic. You have to get her right. If you don't get Dex right, then you're not going to get a good Sumptown. The other characters, obviously, they've changed a lot. Like Hoffman, uh, you know, that that was Tracy. But now it's uh, a guy called Miles Hoffman, which I'm fine with, I guess. Like, um, it, we'll see where that goes. Um, they could they could go in a lot of different places with that. And uh, I'm, I, I like the actor, so I'll... I'll withhold my judgment. I just really liked Tracy, but Tracy is also a character from some of Gregorica's novels, so they may have not legally been able to use her as a character. I don't know. Um, the, the, the actor who they got, uh, they got to play Ansel is really good, and um, Gray's even here. They've changed Gray a lot. Um, Gray went from this dorky best friend to this uh, really classic-looking male friend who runs a bar, whatever. Like, you, you, it's a TV show, you gotta make some concessions. I get it. Um, but uh, at least they kept the core of these characters intact, the characters I know. You know, Gray may look entirely differently um, and run a bar now, but you know, uh, you know what? You know what he also has? He's also got a really deep and meaningful relationship with Dex. He's her best friend. Uh, he's her confidant. Um, she, she will talk to him like she doesn't talk to anyone else. Um, I also like the addition. This is something that the TV show does really well that I think you can only get away with in the TV show. Um, is that her her car, uh, which of course is constantly breaking down, getting banged up, getting wrecked. Um, in the comic, in this, it, it's just this hunkered down, broken car that she just keeps running around with, and there's a mixtape sort of stuck. And it just occasionally, whenever the car hits a bump, it will start playing. And the, the song playing is always in relation to whatever is currently going on in the scene. Uh, they do a really good job on this because this is something you can only do in a, in a TV show. Is the, the, the music selection not only fits her as a character, and fits the overall tone that they're going for, but also um, really adds to the style of the show. Like I said, this is very evocative. The, the, the comic itself is very evocative of the Rockford Files and, uh, very 70s and 80s PI fiction, and that's what we do here. Uh, with the mixtape, we're able to play on more on that, whereas the comic, it's all about the look of things and the way, the pace of the story. This is very much a, a TV show thing. It's the only thing you could do in this medium. Um, you know, there, there are certain things that each medium is good at, and obviously comics being a medium that is that static, that has no audio, you can't do that. Um, it's sort of like presenting songs in, uh, in a comic is incredibly hard, um, and some writers successfully do it and some do not. Um, like uh, an, an example from Stumptown uh, is that the, the, the car chase 
in uh, Volume 2 is really hard to pull, and that was really hard to pull off, and I talked to Greg Rucka about this. They, they worked to get it to be the best that they could because comics are static. You can't convey motion the same way you can in a television show or a movie, so they had to be very careful about it, and by literally having you turn the comic at the same time she was turning the wheel, brilliant stroke of genius. Um, and I think that uh, that really added to the, the style of the comic, and that's basically what they're doing here, is they're adding to the style of the overall show to make it feel unique in a, in a world that is oversaturated with, with detective police dramas on network television. Where they're going in the future, I don't know, obviously. Uh, we, we've gotten some insights uh, from Greg Rucka. He's talked about that they're going to address her bisexuality within the next five episodes. Um, there was a nice little hint about it in in uh, uh, in the in the nightclub scene, uh, but uh, I really wanted more more addressing of that. Obviously, representation is important, but also her bisexuality is just important to her character. Uh, so I'm very interested to see how that's addressed. Uh, and then obviously they can't do Hector Marenko. Um, uh, because of the MS-13 connection, uh, Rucka talked about that they probably can't do that now, um, but, uh, we'll see where they're going, I, I'm hoping that, uh, that there's something behind this, because in, in the comic, uh, granted the comic isn't finished, you know, it goes in spurts, um, in that the there's always this underlying background no matter even if it feels like an episodic piece like volume three or volume four even uh where you feel like it's not really connected to the ongoing marinco pot that is developing the ba background um there's always some sort of connection like oscar being at one of the bars uh in volume three uh, is the the Marinko plot's just always there and present in the background because she's gotten under Hector's skin, uh, and that's not going to be good for her. And obviously, Greg Rucka has given us some insight that you know next volumes is going to get dark. You know, dealing with Hector, it's not good to be on the bad side of a drug lord. You know, uh, obviously, they probably won't do him uh, as a result of just uh, them not being able to cover those kind of topics. Um, and obviously, you know, uh, this being a network show, they can't they can't have the characters swear as much as they tend to, stuff like that. So some concessions just have to be made, uh, and I accept that. Um, I and I, I still love those comics immensely, and it's one of my favorite indie comics of all time. Uh, but no, this pilot really just worked. Um, I think it's a great pilot. I've seen horrible pilots. I've seen really good pilots. I think this is a very good pilot. Um, there are certainly issues with it. There's some editing issues, I think, uh, where dialogue, there was very clearly dialogue cut out. And so some of the, some of the conversation scenes just feel sort of jigsawed puzzled together. Uh, and it doesn't feel quite right. But, uh, that is, that is that, you know, it's just small, small minor stuff. Um, and, and, but of course we don't know, uh, what was going on with the, the two henchmen. Um, obviously nice little references with, uh, the, the, with the case of the cup of Joe where they're, 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 they're talking about the coffee, of course, catch it coffee, uh, from the case of the cup of Joe volume four. We, we don't really know what was going on with them. Um, maybe Hector's behind them. Who knows? Um, probably not, like I said. Uh, but 
it does have flaws, but I think it's a good pilot. I've seen good pilots turn into bad shows. I've seen bad pilots turn into good shows, and I've seen everywhere in between. So uh, we shall see. I probably won't continue covering each episode of the episode. I may give my overall thoughts in the season. It depends on if I still if like it proves to be a good, really good show. Um, and I'll talk about maybe the end of the season, uh, give my overall opinions, and I'll probably cover the comics on here at some point, uh, just because I'm a big fan of them. If not, I will definitely be covering them at some point on my other podcast that I do with a friend of mine called Lily, or called Nerd vs. Nerd, because she's never read the comics, and I'm a big fan of them, and that the entire point of that show is for us to show something to the other that they have not read watched, played, etc. So I'll put some town on the list and have her read it, and so I'll at least talk about it there. Um, but no, I think it's a good pilot, and I hope people uh, enjoyed hearing me just ramble on about my general thoughts of it. I've watched it three times. I've, I've been trying to pinpoint my my uh, my opinions, and instead of talking about it like the way I do Babylon 5, I just wanted to talk about my perspective as a comic fan, as a fan of Greg Rucka's work, as a fan of this entire series, and a fan of the character of Dex in particular, and uh, just discuss my opinions. Uh, and I'll see you next time. The next episode that will be coming out right after this, uh, literally the next day, is on the Babylon 5 episode, Babylon Squared. Uh, and then I'll be covering The Quality of Mercy next week. So see you next time.